We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Pacer Nation. Happy Monday to you. Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and today I'm going to be joined once again by Mark Schindler and Rhett Bauer to preview our West Coast road trip. we got five games in the next seven days, so a lot of exciting times to be a Pacer fan. We're going to talk about those games and things we like and things we don't like for this road trip and what we would consider a successful road trip versus a non-successful road trip. So hope you guys enjoy this preview. We're also going to recap that game on Saturday against the Phoenix Suns where the Pacers fell short 125-117. to The Phoenix Suns were hot. From three, Mikel Bridges had a career high, and Demonte Sabonis had 28 points and 22 rebounds and a loss, so a really fun game overall, but we're going to talk about that and what went wrong for the Pacers, so hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't already downloaded the episode, please do us a favor over at Setting the Pace and hit that download button. It really helps us out, and we really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to our show, and without further ado, here is the latest episode. Alrighty, Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and I'm joined today by Rhett Bauer, Mark Schindler. Rhett, what's going on, man? Not much, Alex. Glad to be here. Looking forward to another week of basketball. Yeah, we got ourselves a nice West Coast road trip. That's kind of hard to say if you don't slow it down there, but uh, Mark, man, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, I feel a lot more rested than I'm about to in seven days, so uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be a long haul, but I'm excited. These are going to be some really good games, uh, some stiff competition, so uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. How are you doing, Alex? Oh, I'm, I'm doing excellent. I'm drinking some hot chocolate here as we're doing this podcast on, on our Sunday night, and I just got to go back and recap that game against the Suns on Saturday. It was a 125-117 loss for the Pacers, their third loss of the season. And, you know, when I look at this game, guys, it, it felt like there was a chance the Pacers could have won it, but every time they got close, Phoenix had a big shot. So I'll start with you, Rhett. What was your biggest takeaways from this game? They did not look good defensively, and the 
box score showed that. The Suns only had three turnovers the entire game. And I think Miles talked about it after the game. It might have been Bjorkren too, but it was just like, if you're only forcing three turnovers, you're not going to win. The Pacers have been doing a really good job so far about forcing turnovers and then scoring on those opportunities and only getting three. I mean, that's just uh, props to Chris Ball's led Suns. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, I felt um, – I thought the defense was okay in the first half. I really just thought both both – offenses were executing extremely well in the second half though the defense was abysmal uh the miscommunications were like all over the place um and i think part of it you look at um you know uh, a lot of the miscommunications happened with domas and and miles um and some of the issues that were coming from playing uh like the the phoenix bench lineups that can just they they have so much depth and can run a lot of smaller units with a lot of uh, wings and guards who can all shoot really well uh, also, I mean, Langston Galloway has like the quickest shot release I think I've ever seen. That was absurd. Um, I don't think he hit any yesterday, but the shot release <laughs> he got him up like quick nuts. though. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's where we were seeing the miscommunications coming from. Um, but I think a lot of it too was just energy. Like there, the energy just totally died in the late third and especially in the fourth, um, barring a few minutes. Well, why do you think that is, Mark? Uh, well, Malcolm played 40 minutes and Domas played 39 minutes. So that would uh, probably be part of it. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I am like the most annoying person on Twitter about this. I don't care. It's just, I think it's very like yesterday was another perfect microcosm of why you can't play the starters that much. Mm-hmm. Like the bench unit came in after, I think they played like three or four guys who hadn't played at all in the game yet, just in the, in the fourth quarter to open and they were a plus four in two and two minutes like they were good they held phoenix scoreless it wasn't perfect but like they were flying across the court they gave i mean it was jakar doug justin holiday ed and Cassius stanley and they just were incredibly like i tweeted this out i was like i think it's the most athletic lineup i've ever seen the pacers play like they were just so quick um they were making things happen and it wasn't again like i mentioned it was kind of bereft of ball handling and playmaking but they were making things happen because they were athletic and they had energy um and that's something where uh you really hope that that's sprinkled out throughout the game instead of just a small two-minute spurt um in the fourth quarter yeah i know you wanted to talk about that lineup red so what were your thoughts on that on that little uh two minutes we saw there from that lineup so in two minutes like like Mark just said, we held Phoenix scoreless. And in those two minutes, we had, I think it's six possessions. And every single one of them was a drive to the basket and or a foul. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And that's what happens when you have energy. And that's what happens when and immediately after uh, Brogdon Sabonis came back in. I think the next uh, five shots were all jump shots minus sprinkle in two straight turnovers in there too. Um, it was just missed jump shot, missed jump shot, missed jump shot, turnover, turnover, missed jump shot, just like all the way down the line. And that's what happens when you get tired is you just like anybody who's ever played a pickup game of basketball, you like later in the night, you're just like, ah, I don't really feel like going to the basket. I'm just going to chuck it. And that's what happened with the Pacers starters. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I thought Malcolm looked really tired last night. And I think that was when he came back in at that moment in the fourth quarter. He just, I mean, Malcolm to me is not fast anyway. So that, that's not something I'm expecting from him, but he just didn't have that extra extra step that he usually has. It just seemed like he was a little bit beat up, and I know he had a poor night shooting, so mentally maybe that was part of it as well, just kind of frustrated that a shot wasn't going in and he wasn't hitting as many shots as he had been the previous couple of games. And then, of course, taking on the challenge of guarding Devin Booker and Chris Paul and whoever he was guarding, and it's just that's a lot to put on him. And I know that this minutes conversation has been 
kind of the biggest talking point from most of the Twitter heads out there. So I know you've been big on it, Mark. I know Caitlin's been talking about it. I know Derek Cash from my Pacers blog and Tony a little bit. And I just wanted to say this because I don't know if everybody got a chance to listen to the episode we did with Scott Agnes. But one of the things he brought up, which I actually hadn't thought about, but I think it's a good counterpoint. And he was saying the minutes are still a problem, but he said he thinks that part of the reason they're doing it is because the Pacers have not traveled very much in these first nine games. And so they went to Chicago. They didn't play a ton of minutes there because it was a blowout win. I know they still played a good amount, but not the 41 minutes we've been seeing. And he said, similar to the bubble, these guys rested and were able to heal quicker um, and not have to travel as much. So that's why their bodies were a little bit more equipped to handle those heavy load of minutes. And he said that that could be a reason why. And I thought, you know, that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, if this continues, I don't think these guys are going to be able to sustain that heavy workload. But do you kind of see that point, Mark, of them uh, playing a little uh, bit extra at home? Yes and no. Um, I mean, it, I, that's a good point. And I think also, too, another good point, I was talking with Tom about this yesterday in our postgame pod. You know, they're really not practicing nearly as much as they used to last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's part of it as well. But I still think, I mean, like, that's a that's a good point, but then you also think about the fact, like we saw yesterday, that playing that many minutes is uh, detrimental. You know, we saw uh, not necessarily to their health. I mean, it could be down the line. I hope not, but just in terms of on court play, um, we've seen that for like the past four or five games, them totally falling off in the fourth. I mean, the the net ratings shift from the third to fourth quarter is ridiculous. Um, they've been a negative in the fourth quarter this year because largely due to that precipitous fall off in energy after, you know, a lot of has been made about how productive the third quarters have been. And that's fallen off a little bit the last couple of games, but um, that's been kind of punctuated by how poor the fourth quarters have been. Yeah. Well, not only that, and it's also like the defense they're playing is way more aggressive, I feel like. And so they're, they're not only playing a lot more minutes and Brogdon's taking a lot more load of the offense. Obviously Domas is doing more things like running up the floor with the ball in his hands, which may or may not take more effort on his part, but then playing more aggressively on defense, like Domas was, he's out on the perimeter a lot more. They're switching almost everything. So Domas is guarding Devin Booker. He's guarding Chris Paul. He's, he's closing out on Cameron Johnson and, and McCall Bridges and, that's just a lot. And I think I've been hearing a lot of people saying that it's about getting accustomed to the system and all that stuff. But I feel like at the same time, shouldn't everybody be getting accustomed to the system? Like, yeah. isn't it, isn't it important to have Sumner have an idea of what his role is going to be? And I don't mean, I, I mean, I know we've been talking like, Hey, get everybody minutes. And they got everybody minutes at the same time, which was like, okay, yes, that's what we wanted, but not really what we were looking for. It's like, do something differently with the starters and just put Ed in instead of Aaron. Um, But it's just, I I think that in a season like this, when we're about to have a West coast road trip with five games in eight days, I think something along those lines. Yeah. Five and seven, five and seven. I I thought it was seven, but didn't want to exaggerate. So five (laughs) and seven, if we're still playing Domas and Brogdon 40 minutes a game, that's going to be a worry. But I think this, that the home aspect of it might be, the, the lack of travel might be a bit of a, a bit of a good reason. Yeah. And I'm not really sure. Like, of course I'm, I'm keeping an eye on this when I'm monitoring it, but at the same time, I'm just enjoying the way this Pacers team has been playing overall. So I'm trying to focus on some of the positives as well, because it's been really good basketball. And I mean, last night, even playing against Phoenix, yes, their defense was bad, but this Phoenix team was, this Phoenix team, number one is really good. And number two, they were on a mission last night after losing that overtime game to Detroit the night before. And of course, 
you know, you can talk about it. Uh, you know, we were on two days rest. They were on the second half of a back-to-back. But I just think this Phoenix team is really young. Uh, they, they've got a veteran now in Chris Paul. And, and Jay Crowder's another solid veteran that you add to that mix. And, and what they bring to the table, I mean, Mark, this is a really good Phoenix team. I know Rhett was really high on them for the playoffs. And me and you were kind of like, you know, we think they're going to make the playoffs. Didn't know where they'd be at more towards the end, we thought. But, I mean, this Phoenix team, they came <laughs> guns a-blazing last night. And Mikael Bridges was unstoppable. Yeah, no, that's a – I mean, he was fantastic. I, I tweeted out yesterday. I was like, you could put primer on our test on him, and it felt like he was going to make every shot. Um, like, every th- – I think he shot, like, almost 70% from the field, had his career high, which part of it was my fault, too, because I tweeted out in the first quarter. I was like, hey, he has 15 points, and his career has 26, so uh, points watch. And uh, it came true. So that's, that's what I get for diving into the stats. Um, but also, speaking of diving into the stats, just to illustrate it more, so the Pacers are first in third quarter net rating. They have a 27 net rating, which is fantastic, obviously. Their fourth quarter net rating is seven, uh, 27th in the league with a negative 11.9. So that's just to illustrate that. Uh, that's obviously terrible. Um, and they're still but, winning games. Yes, exactly. Like that's, I think it would be more pointed out if, uh, if they were not winning games. But I think now that we've seen a couple losses, um, just uh, worth noting for sure. Um, but that, yeah, no, that Suns team is good. Mikhail Bridges was so good defensively too. Um, and just what he was getting inside was really tough. Aaron had a – granted, I, I think Aaron, uh, it was just a tough ask for him on either end yesterday as a starter. Um, guarding Bridges is asking a ton of Aaron that I, I don't necessarily think was uh, – not that it was like the wrong decision because I, I guess you don't want to mix with the bench unit too much, but – um, he's not really equipped to do that, given that he's six inches shorter than Mikhail Bridges. Um, and then offensively, he was being guarded by Chris Paul. So that is a, that's a big ask for him. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, he did not play well. Overall, that Suns team is just so good. Um, and DeAndre Ayton was fantastic on Domas defensively. Uh, I know Domas finished with uh, career high in rebounds and uh, scored incredibly well too, but um, Ayton was really forcing him outside the paint and, and forced a lot of the misses too. Yeah, Brett, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to look at the box score, okay, Booker had his 25, Chris Paul had his 15, Bridges had 34. I mean, Cam Johnson obviously hit some good shots as well. But then even Aiton not playing well, they were able to pretty handily beat us like they did. I just think, like like you said, I was pretty high on them at the beginning of the year just because I feel like, I mean, they they gave away kind of nothing to get Chris Paul in terms of players. Is that know, Kelly Oubre slander? Yeah, I was just like about Kelly to say, I was getting ahead of it. That's some Oubre erasure if I've ever heard it. So, <laughs> uh, Fun fact for you, the Warriors are currently last in the league in three-point percentage. If, if you take away all of Oubre's attempts, they would be fourth in the league. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about that real okay, quick. Okay, so that's okay, a right. definite Oubre slander. <laughs> yeah, so – but no, it's just – Chris Paul's really good. Devin Booker's really good. They have a lot of depth. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just really – Really hope that the Pacers can uh, start putting together some better fourth quarters. Yeah, and I mean, overall, I mean, when you have your two, you know, your two guys in the backcourt that you're relying heavily on for points to go 14 of 41 uh, between Malcolm and Vic, that's that's not a recipe for success. And you know, Sabonis was really struggling. I actually tweeted it out. It was like him and him and Brogdon were really struggling in that third quarter before Sabonis. I pretty much tweeted that out, and then Sabonis went on that monster run where he had like 20 20 points and nine rebounds. It's just like. Uh, a surreal turnaround from him and 
I think that's when I think that's when Phoenix went smaller and took eight and out of the game. So it was just just a, a tough night. I mean, I, I mean, there's a reason why to me Phoenix is ranked number three in defense on the defensive rating. So they're just really good and they're really long and they they've got a great got a great culture and a great team. And I mean, this is this is a fun Phoenix team to watch. But now the Pacers are heading out west and they've got five road games. You guys mentioned it in seven days and start things off with the Kings. So. Just looking at this road trip, they've they've got got a tough schedule, but the Kings game to me, it feels like this is the the, the must win of of the entire road trip just to try to get their feet wet and get things going on the on the right track here because they lose to the Kings. I think this could be a bad start to the road trip. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and they're the the Kings are four and six right now, but they're kind of reeling the last week or so. Um, but it's going to be a tough matchup, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, there's no confirmation on it right now, but I still, as far as I know, Vic is not playing back-to-backs this year. Uh, I would be shocked if he plays either of the back-to-backs um, this series. So that brings into question, is he going to play against Golden State or is he going to play against Sacramento? Um, and if he doesn't play against Sacramento, I have no idea who's trying to guard De'Aaron Fox. Um, De'Aaron yeah. Fox is going to eviscerate the defense, um, uh, yeah. at least at the point of attack. Um, that's going to be a really tough cover. But overall, I, I'm not super worried about this team playing Sacramento. I think it'll be a tight game, um, but I would bank on the Pacers coming out and uh, hopefully getting some more run for their bench unit too and, and banking a win. Yeah, no question. I, I would be surprised if – or rather, I wouldn't be surprised if Vic played against Golden State rather than Sacramento Yeah, just because – Curry versus De'Aaron Fox. Like, if you're going to pick one to go off and tear your defense apart, like, okay, I'll, I'll let De'Aaron Fox do it. But yeah, it's it, I, obviously it's not a must win when you're six and three and all that stuff. But to go into a five game stretch like this with two sets of back to backs, I feel like you got to get the first one and, and at least uh, at least get off to a good start. Yeah, and I mean the Warriors have been playing a little bit better. You know, the Blazers are, are still a team that you can never count out, and then. They get to play Phoenix and uh, the Clippers to, to close out that road trip. So no easy games out here and no T.G. McConnell for this game against the Kings either. He didn't play against the Suns because his uh, baby boy is born. So congratulations to the McConnell family. But you definitely realized how much the Pacers second unit did miss McConnell. Just having that steady ball handler, the guy that energizes the team. And maybe, you know, the, the spark plug off the bench. I think that's a good way to, you know, put him a good category to put him in. And I think going up against Sacramento – he, he could be missed as well. So <laughs> it's uh, – I'm not sure who they're going to put on him. Um, Brogdon, I don't necessarily think he's quick enough. And Aaron's really been struggling. Is this an opportunity that maybe we see Justin get put into the starting lineup, Mark? Oh, I don't think Justin could guard De'Aaron Fox. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he could, but that's a big ask. I still think it's going to be Aaron just because he has the he, – he has the quickness. Yeah. Yeah, I just – I wasn't sure maybe if they could find a way to, like, you know, make – you know, make him force him to do switches or hedge or stuff like that. You know, there's different ways I can get the ball out of his hands, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just maybe they go some zone. I don't know how great of a shooting team the Kings are outside of Buddy Heald and oh, Harrison Barnes is shooting really well this year. Okay, um, but yeah, they're they're starting double bigs currently. They're starting Bagley and Holmes together, and neither of them are shooting well from three. Uh, Holmes isn't even taking any, but I think Bagley's sub thirty percent right now. Um, yeah, I, I think. I mean. Where I look at this, I think Domas is going to feast 
uh, yeah. tomorrow. Like, this is a big opportunity for him. I'm sure Rashawn Holmes will play on it, but he's had foul trouble this year. He's averaging like four and a half fouls per game right now, I think. He's also missed the last game with an ankle injury and is not yeah. confirmed for tomorrow or for Monday. Sorry. Yeah, tomorrow. So we could see Hassan Whiteside in the starting lineup, which is great for the Pacers' uh, chances at, at getting a win. Or yeah, Bagley it, at the five, which is even better for the Pacers' chances <laughs> of a win. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, hopefully Marvin Bagley's dad continues to tweet out about his unhappiness. Oh, that was wild, man. That was so weird. <laughs> it's It's been kind of weird with fathers because I, I noticed that, and then I saw De'Aaron Fox's dad got back into it or said something back to him. And also Trey Young's dad liked a tweet that said McMillan, uh, a, a fan said they're just waiting for McMillan to take over for Lloyd Pierce, and uh, Trey Young's dad liked that. So got some weird stuff going on here with uh, young players' dads on social media, but – uh, that's besides the point, not our problem. And anytime the Pacers can get a win against a Luke Walton coach team, I'm always happy about that because I can't stand Luke Walton. But um, moving forward, you know, now we got some tough, some tough guards here. And uh, this whole trip really has got tough guards. But you, you've got, got Steph Curry, who's just been playing great recently. And then Damian Lillard, Lillard and CJ McCollum. And those two guys have been on fire. So any chance the Pacers can win either of those two games, Mark? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think this Pacers team is good enough where they'll have a chance in any game, um, except right now. I still am, like, so wary about this team playing Milwaukee. I just don't know how they're going to defend Giannis because that's been such a big problem the last couple of years. Um, but we'll see on that. But I think, yeah, going into this, I think the Pacers have a chance against anyone. Yeah. Um, but I, especially looking at, at this, you know, I don't expect them to come out of this 2-0. You know, I, I think that's uh, – if you're splitting games, you're lucky. Um, Portland's defense has really struggled out the gate and, uh, it's, it's climbing up now, but I think that's more of teams not performing well, um, ahead of that were behind them. I mean, that were ahead of them. Um, Yusuf Nurkic has looked just kind of a step behind where he was in the bubble last year. I know he was, uh, back in Bosnia. Um, and so he's kind of, uh, still getting back into shape after coming back. Uh, and there was no training camp. So obviously that, that kind of makes things difficult. Um, but this team is good. Damian Lillard is really good. And more importantly, CJ McCollum has been on a tear to oh, start the he's year. He's been so good. Yeah. He's averaging 28, four and five. Like he's just been ridiculous. And the big thing with CJ has always been that uh, he, he takes a ton of pull up mid range shots and he's good at them. He's taking a career high 11 threes per game right now oh at 44%, gosh. man. Like, that is if, insane. If that sticks for him, he's going to be an all star this year. I mean, that's like been kind of the one part of his game where he could always take more threes, and he is now. And uh, dude, it's going to be very tough to guard those two. Uh, they're both very quick. Um, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for Malcolm. Um, and that's, that's another part. Like you mentioned it too. And him, he guarded Devin Booker really well yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, but it's asking him a lot to run the offense and to guard the best perimeter score on, on the other team because that's what he's done every game since TJ's been out. For 40 minutes a night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not sustainable. That's the problem. And, and they're going to have to figure out ways to just counter counter uh, counteract that because, I mean, personally, it's like I, I like seeing how hard of a worker Malcolm Brogdon is, and he definitely is your best option. But at the same time, I mean – you can't you cannot afford to put in that many minutes on him. And that's where Edmund Sumner might come into play in these games. I mean, Sumner's that's somebody long. who could potentially like I, I personally think they're gonna keep Aaron Holiday in the starting lineup, and I think they should. Um, but that's like a guy who you could look at, like, okay, well, if if Vic is sitting a game, do you start Ed? Because he's yeah. got the speed that mm -hmm. he can play on the perimeter. I think that was gonna be my suggestion sense. for Fox. Oh, if for Darren Fox? Play. Yeah, if Vic doesn't play. 
Yeah, I think he's I think he's long enough. He's really so quick too. That's the thing. And and yeah, I mean, and when you see Ed play, like it's probably because he's trying to prove that he deserves that playing time and he's trying to earn it. But like the dude is going 120 miles an hour out on the court. And I just I love his energy. I just think he brings something a little bit extra on that energy side of it, Rit. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I'm a huge Sumner fan, and I think that he's one of the better guard slash forward options we have defensively, um, which is not saying a whole lot because we really only have Justin right now and then Brogdon, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens with uh, guys like Sumner and Stanley, especially when you look to the tail end of this here road trip and we've got the Clippers and uh, they have a couple pretty decent forwards that are going to be fun to match up with. Yeah, I actually kind of like this Pacers-Clippers matchup, not necessarily because I think the Pacers have good forwards, but it's because I don't like the Clippers guards. And I feel like this is a game where we could really see Brogdon or, or Vic go off, depending on who guards him. And, uh, of course, whenever we play PG, he does tend to play a little bit better against us because he takes it personal, but whatever, you know. But, it's uh, yeah, this, this, is a fun, this is a fun road trip. And, I mean, for anybody staying up late to watch these games, I mean, I, I completely understand how tired you're going to be at work, but – hopefully you're going to have some entertaining basketball because I really think when it comes down to it, Mark, like the Pacers really can compete with all these teams. And I think they'll be close because the Pacers usually have one blowout on these road trips, but most of the other games are pretty competitive. Yeah. I think uh, if there's a game, I, I, I don't know if I'd say any of them are going to be a blowout because I don't want to speak that into the ether, but <laughs> the Clippers are going to be tough, man. I mean, Marcus Morris is back now. Uh, they've been running lineups with like Marcus Morris playing the five, Nick Katoom. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard, PG, just the size is going to be so difficult to match up with. Mm-hmm. I agree on there's a there's an opportunity to to really attack the guards. Um, and, you know, their playmaking is always going to be a question, but I just think they have so much talent and they have uh, talent at the position where the, the Pacers really are kind of devoid of that size right now is uh, that's going to be tough, man. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see how, how the coaching staff attacks it. Um, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a very difficult match. I think that's going to be the hardest matchup out of all of them. Um, and I'm really excited to see the, the, the this team play Phoenix again. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. uh, speaking impartially. I mean, watching a ton of basketball to start the year, um, that was the best game I've seen so far this year. And I've probably watched you know wow. 60 or 70 games already. So that was like that was fantastic. I know it's I I don't care. I just like watching the basketball. Obviously, it's easier if the Pacers win, but uh, it was just a good game. So I'm excited for that matchup again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say that uh, seeing the Pacers lose, it does put a damper on, on it for me. I, I think for me as a Pacers fan, I would definitely say that the New Orleans game has been the most fun game I've seen all year. Just the way I felt like so many guys, so many guys contributed to that. And I know we're not going through and recapping every game because we've all kind of done that on previous episodes on our own podcast. But, I mean, I just was laughing because everybody kept saying, oh, it was this guy that won it or this guy that won it. And if you really looked at that entire game, it, it started with McConnell setting the tone with the bench unit, them going on that huge run against New Orleans. And then, you know, Miles came in for Sabonis when he had five fouls and fouled out and he just played great and Vic played great in the clutch and then Brogdon finished it off while playing 29 straight minutes of game time. So I just – I think this team is really well balanced and I think they're, all the pieces are kind of fitting well together right now. Of course, you can talk long-term future and all that stuff and – what this team means or what, or what this team is. But I, I just think right now the way they're playing, the chemistry is really there. And I, 
I'm I'm enjoying this team a lot, guys. I mean, just the way they're the new style they're playing with Bjorkren. I mean, this is a really fun and really good basketball team. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And Alex, you called me out on Twitter after the New Orleans game because I was saying that pretty much the only thing I'm looking at to determine whether or not it's a good game <laughs> is the minutes that Brogdon yeah. and Sabonis are playing. <laughs> and you're not entirely wrong, but uh, but yeah, uh, it's 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 great to see that we're playing some more modern basketball, even if there are. I mean, there's another side to it, right? So we're playing more up-tempo, but obviously we're seeing guys get tired and we're playing, you know, uh, we're playing our starters a lot more instead of going 11 deep, which is a double-edged sword as well. So, yeah, uh, this is going to be a pretty good test for the team, I think. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, and, and, and we got some news today about Jeremy Liam. Uh, looks like he could be coming back this month. Um, not sure when, but but what are your guys' thoughts overall on Jeremy coming back? Because... I feel like I, I see a lot of people say, oh, he's going to start right away and all these, you know, he's going to be like the, the, the best fit for us going forward. It's like, I understand that. But at the same time, like this dude's coming off a really serious injury over a year ago. And, and, and you know, it's like it's going to take him some time to, to really get his feet wet again and just get comfortable again. And I feel like sometimes fans get a little bit too, you know, unrealistic with their expectations for these guys and so I would just say my expectations for Jeremy Lamb when he returns are pretty low and any positive we get from him I'll take as a plus yeah I would agree with that um I think it's really difficult because like you're mentioning with fan expectations like especially considering how many injuries there are to start the year and that you you need Jeremy to fill in and uh, hopefully provide some competent minutes at the three um it's tough because, okay, well, how do you match those, not even match those, how do you temper those expectations while also, um, you know, kind of hoping that he comes in and can provide something. Um, I, I think he will be. It's kind of crazy to say it's already almost been a year since his injury. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, I, I agree. It's going to take some time for him to really work things out on court, and he might not be back to being the same level player. I think it's, um, it's good, though, because his game is not super predicated on athleticism. Um, at least, you know, offensively. Uh, I, I do have questions about how he's going to look defensively. But uh, overall, I mean, I'm just excited for him to get back on court and to, to play basketball again. Because I, I enjoy watching his game. Like, he's, yeah, he's, a, he's a fun player. And he's also, like, one of the funniest dudes on the team, if not the funniest dude on the team, just right. unintentionally. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for him to come back. Yeah, Brett, your thoughts on the Jeremy Lamb return? There can't, we can't say if he should start or not because we have no idea what it's going to look like. Like yeah. it's such a that's such a cop out answer, but to say he should go right into the starting lineup is not really considering that we he hasn't played actual NBA basketball in over a year. So yeah, it's it's good to have another bigger body to be able to throw in there at the three like that. And his scoring obviously is going to be something that is very helpful, especially on those nights where Vic takes off. But uh, yeah, the sooner we can get him back when he's ready to go not when Twitter thinks he's ready to go is best. Yeah, no, I agree. So keeping an eye on that. Of course, I'm keeping an eye on when Goga returns and how he looks. And it's just been kind of frustrating not to see Goga get any time so far this year because of the injury. And it's only been nine games. I know that, but it just feels like this injury probably lingered a little bit longer than I expected. And, you know, just guy can't catch a break. It feels like since he got drafted by the Pacers, it's just been one thing after the other, keeping him from getting some some good experience on the court. But uh, as we wrap this podcast up, I, I know we have five games on the road. Mark, what would you consider a successful road trip record-wise? Uh, three and two, I think, okay. is successful in my mind. Uh, if they can come out uh, still above 500, I mean, like have a road trip above 500, that's huge. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and that's not some people might say that's like a defeatist mentality, but I just think you're looking at the way that these teams are playing right now. That's going to be tough. Portland is starting to turn around. I think Golden State is four and one over their last five games, and they're starting to look like Golden State again, Very or at long. least like a playoff team again. Um, so you know, that's uh, something to look out for. Um, but I, I think it's manageable to get to three and two on this trip. Yeah, right. Would you say a two and three road trip's bad though, Brett? No, I wouldn't. That's what I was going to say. Two and three is acceptable. Three and two, yeah. I would be happy with three and two because that means you're beating, you know, one of those four, or I'm sorry, two of those four potential playoff teams in Clippers, Phoenix, Portland, and Golden State. So that's that's a pretty good uh, trip for there. And even if you go two and three, you're still beating one of them, assuming you beat yeah. Sacramento. Yeah, I, I think two and three, three and two is fine with me as well. I'm not trying to get too overhyped about the Pacers' early season success, but at the same time, they've been playing really well, and I think that they, like I said earlier, they can compete with all these teams, and it'll just be fun to see how they do it. But five games in seven days is a lot of wear and tear on the body, so uh, we're going to have to have some Road McDermott games to maybe sneak out a win there. Uh, I think that's possible because a Road McDermott is a different animal, but yeah, guys, so this was a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you guys follow Mark on Twitter at MShenlearnMBA, Rhett at Rhett underscore Bauer. I'm an Alex Golden MBA, and we'll be back with you guys next week to recap this West Coast road trip and look forward to the upcoming games for Pacers. So hope you all have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.